Hi, I'm Edward Sree, and welcome to All Things Catholic, where real faith meets real life. What do you do when you have to make a big decision? You have to decide, should I do this or should I do this? You're deciding about a job. You're making a discernment about where to send your kids to school. You're making a, a big decision about a relationship that you're in. Uh, a lot of people agonize over decisions. They can be indecisive. They're not sure, am I doing the right thing? Is this what God wants? Well, today we have a, a special guest with us joining us on the All Things Catholic podcast. I'm your host, Edward Sree, but I am thrilled to have with us all the way from Switzerland, over there in Europe, uh, we have Father Gregory Pine. Uh, Father Gregory Pine is a doctoral student at Freiburg. Uh, he is in the eastern province of the Dominican Order, and he has a brand new book out that just came out the, here in recent weeks called Prudence, Choose Confidently, Live Boldly, coming out by our Sunday Visitor Press. So welcome, Father Gregory. Thanks for joining us all the way there from Switzerland. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Dr. Shree. I'm very delighted to be here. Well, I, I, you know, we, we were chatting a little before the show about how important this virtue is. Uh, and, and when people ask me of the virtues that we're missing in the culture, I, I often will, will, will turn to prudence. You know, I'll say, you know, a lot of people might say, oh, we need more temperance because there's all the sexual sins and lack of self-control and addiction. And, you know, people are always attracted to courage. You know, I want to be like Braveheart and, you know, be very courageous, you know, and uh, and there's lots of lack of justice in this world. But but I think in our day and age, we're really missing out on on prudence. So I want to hear from you. Why why did you want to write this book? Um, I think in short, well, for the reason you identified, I, I became interested in the theme, especially by this notion that God made us to proceed to the goal of life by choosing, right? So um, you can think like God doesn't have to proceed to his end because God just is, right? And he's doing great. Uh, angels make one choice and then they live the fruits of that choice for all eternity. Whereas we're peculiar among uh, like reasoning things in that we, we make a series of choices and that really taken together is what, is what makes our life dramatic. It's what makes our life interesting. And, and God puts our life in our hands. Um, so, albeit not in the sense that he abandons us or that he kind of like winds up our choices and lets them kind of run on their own steam but that he genuinely is excited to see what we will make of our life by his grace and by our capacity, yeah, to do something beautiful with the resources with which he has entrusted us. So yeah, it's, there's something about the virtue of prudence, which, which captures this dramatic element to human life. And I thought that that's something that we could recover. Tell me about uh, what is prudence. I think for our listeners, you know, you hear the word prudence, you might think of the word you know, someone's a prude, you know, or the, another misconception is prudence is just oh, someone that's very cautious and, you know, it's hard for them to make decisions and take risks. Tell, tell us about what is prudence actually? Um, I think often of this word protagonist, we're, we're familiar with it from maybe some, some study of literature in high school or whatever. Um, but there's this sense that there's somebody in a story and that somebody is, is doing the things and they might be confronted by an antagonist or they might find themselves the victim of circumstances. But you have the notion that this person is the one who's doing the things. And I think that prudence is the virtue, which makes you yet more perfectly the protagonist of your life. I recently watched this movie by Christopher Nolan called Tenet. Um, oh, yeah. and it's kind of it's like a discovery on the on the part of the main character that he is the protagonist. Right, that he is he's moving and shaking, even when he feels at times like he is just being done unto. And so prudence is is the virtue that empowers you or that emboldens you to live in this way. 
You know, in, in our world today, I think so many people always feel like they're the victim. You know, it's, I've got all these problems because my parents or the family I grew up with, they don't understand me or my, my school, my coach, my teachers, or, you know, my boss and even my pastor, my fellow parishioners. Uh, tell me more about this idea of you, you've, you've, you've used this idea of a narrative already a couple times, you know, that our yeah. life is in a narrative. Our life is a story. Uh, and we're proceeding through various dangers and risks and challenges going toward a goal, which is ultimately God. Uh, but you talked about how we have a, a certain freedom in this to be creative and God wants to see, you know, are we going to make something beautiful with our lives? I think today, a lot of people, they, they tend to think I have to do what God wants in it. It's like this straight jacket. It's this, you know, I, I have to prudently discern God's will for every little decision. And, and I, I, I've picked up on just already here at the beginning of our conversation that, that you sense that though, that God gives us a lot of freedom uh, to be creative, to do something beautiful. Tell, tell us more about that. Yeah. So we talk about the goal of life is the glory of God and the salvation of souls. And each of us has a peculiar way of capturing God's glory or kind of making manifest or communicating God's glory. And we as human beings do it in a, in a free and embodied way. So God makes us free because there's something glorious about our free choice. He, he doesn't say, all right, here's the book. All right. I want you to, to flip to the back of the book to see all the answers. And then I want you to enact them according to a series of logical steps. He says like, no, let's, let's kind of see how this goes. Um, and I think that that helps us to situate what we feel like we've been, you know, kind of uh, given or what we feel like has been set for us by others. So like you said, like a lot of people feel like they're victims, whether where they're born or who their parents are, the education that they received, or maybe like a trauma that they suffered or a particular sin that they encountered early on in life. They feel like their life has been made a mess of and all that remains for them is just to play out the dread logic of what has gone before them. But I think it's no, that's like there may be difficulties in your past and you may not have the same gifts that the person over here or over there has, but you can, yeah, again, still make something beautiful of your life. Maybe like an analogy would be, you know, if you watch the World Series of Poker on ESPN, you can always see the cards that each player is dealt. And like in the case of a really good player, he might be played like a 2-7 offsuit, which is trash, but he can still play those cards well by the way that he receives them. He doesn't say, okay, let me, let me trash these cards. Give me new cards, dealer. He says like, all right, these are the cards that I've been dealt. This is what's been set for me. There's still a game to play. Um, and there's a series of games to play. And not to say that like a life is just a game and we can trivialize it. But in the sense that a lot of it is set for us and regardless of whether it's better or worse with respect to whoever else is sitting at the table, yet we can still do something with those cards. Um, and I think that's, yeah, that's, that's part of what's exciting. What are some saints that have exemplified prudence? Uh, maybe some saints that have been dealt some hard cards, um, but but they did prudently make wise choices to make something very beautiful out of their lives. Um, two, two that I'm thinking of off the kind of at the outset or um, from the get go would be Saint Francis of Assisi and Blessed Pier Giorgio Frassati. I think a lot of us have an image in our mind that prudence means analysis paralysis. Prudence is like caution, like you mentioned at the outset, or prudence is like circumspection, like you're always looking for whatever might undo or derail your plans. And then you're just plodding along very, very slowly so as to avoid whatever pitfall might arise. But prudence is, you know, prudence is the virtue which 
St. Thomas says, it's right reason and things to be done. So it's a matter of embodying the reasons which you've received through your experience of life or you've received from the wise counsel of those who love you and have your best interest in mind. But it's the person who can work through those things in a way that doesn't represent a series, again, of plotting steps, but, but a kind of virtuosity. It's like the musician who has mastered the rudiments and is able to extemporize gloriously. Or it's like the athlete who has gone through all of these years of practice. And so when it comes time to play the game, he can you know kick it out for a corner three or he can take it strong to the basket or he can you know pull up whatever you know like he's he's got a facility for it and I think that that's what we see in prudence and when you when you see the example the life of St. Francis of Assisi he has this kind of careening character to him you know he's at his father's stall there's a poor person who asks him for money he says hold on a second he finishes the transaction over here and then he realizes that the poor person has left and so he just takes everything that he's gained that day all the all the money that he's he's made in sales and he just goes just, you know, like running through the streets of Assisi because he recognizes the fact that this is Christ asking not only for money, but for love. Uh, so as to call forth from him this native excellence, which he comes to express in some of the most glorious of ways. Or like St. Um, you know, like Blessed Pier Giorgio Frassati. He said, how could I be of service? And he said, I thought about being a priest, but, you know, I didn't really see myself there. I'll be a mining engineer because I can be with the people in a place where only I can be with the people. And I think I can be of great service there. Uh, and so he works through his exams, even though he's not especially gifted as a student. And, and he lives his life along the course. He's not, he's, he's not of the mind that, you know, real life is later. Real life for him is now. So he's of service to the people in the streets. He's involved in political action. He's really, really engaged. He's not watching his life pass before him. He's the one that's bringing it about by the grace of God at work in his life. So those are two that I think of. How about for you, for you personally? Tell me, tell me something in your own life where you... Maybe maybe you made a mistake in prudence, or maybe it was like a, a real kind of a growth moment for you uh, in, in in this particular virtue. Yeah, I, uh, I can think of many. I will limit myself to one. I was recently hiking with a friend, and um, I hike a lot in Switzerland, and it's there's snow on the mountains for most of the year, and so I'm often on snowshoes. Um, and I've learned that going up is not the same as going down because when you're going <laughs> up, you know, you can really dig in. And your momentum kind of carries you into the mountain. And as a result of which, you're less likely to slip and you're less likely to fall. But when you're going down, your momentum is carrying you kind of off the mountain, as it were. You're much more likely to slip and things can get pretty treacherous, especially when it's steep. It's tough going. And it were you to fall, you know, there is risk of avalanches at certain seasons. And um, I haven't. I haven't interiorized this yet because I have a kind of competitive drive. If there's a mountain, you need to get to the top of it unless it will mean almost certain peril. The last time that I turned around was because I came to a plaque that memorialized the deaths of two people who had fallen after this. Yeah, whatever. So, um, yeah, it takes a pretty bracing reminder for me to turn around. But we got to the top of this thing. And um, yeah, I realized that, that going down was going to be bad. And so we ended up going down on the other side, which landed us in another valley. And we ended up hitchhiking with one guy and then hitchhiking with another guy and then catching a train and then catching a bus and then walking. So it was like two hours of transit that needn't have been had I been able to interiorize the fact that it's not cowardice to turn around. It can sometimes, in fact, be smart, you know, like intelligent. It can be prudent. Um, so I think that it's good to identify where you tend to in excess and then to account for that along the way. It's like, all right, this might be bad. Doesn't mean that we're going to have to turn around and call this thing two hours short. We can take another little spur trail over here and that's just fine. So I fail often when I let my competitive streak, uh, you know, overmaster what might be my better judgment. <laughs> 
It's funny you use that as an example. So I'm a big uh, fan of, of mountain climbing. So I okay. live here in Denver, Colorado. Now I'm not. I, I I'm probably less skilled than than you are. You're you're there in the beautiful Alps and all. But um, but we have the 14ers here, and I've done a number of the 14ers. And and what happened was I was was one of my one of my pilgrimages. Uh, so I lead pilgrimages each year, and there was somebody that came with me who was a professional mountain climber. He's been on all the seven summits. He summited them all, and was like the last like the last leg ready to summit Everest and he, and he, and he got an injury and had to come down. So, but I mean, so this guy knows what he's doing and he trained yeah. me how to do all the 14ers. I was getting into it. And, but I started doing some things where there was like some exposure, you know, like you're stepping out and it's like a 3000 foot drop off and, uh, getting kind of scary. And there was this one mountain I had set my eyes on. I really wanted to do, but I had heard about, it was just this long period of exposure, uh, where again, 6,000 foot drop off and people, every year die on that one. And I heard all that and I just thought, you know, I'm the husband and of my wife, Beth, and we have eight kids and I'm kind of adventurous, but I don't, I, prudently, I don't think that's the best choice for me. That that risk is not, <laughs> is not worth taking uh, just for the thrill of, of summoning a 14er. But um, that being said, prudence does, doesn't mean that you don't take risks though, right? I mean, no. there's, there's times like the most prudent thing might be to take a risk, whether it's in a game you're playing, uh, or, or whether it, it could be a financial investment that you realize there's, there's some risk here, uh, or, you know, you hire somebody, you know, in, in the office and, you know, okay, they've got, there's a downside here, but there's a lot of upside on this one. Again, I, I think it's really important for people to realize prudence isn't just about like being overly cautious and never taking risk. Uh, the most prudent thing might be to actually, you know what, I, I'm, I'm going to put all the money on the table on this one, you know, or I'm going to, there's, there's a risk involved here, but I think for the sake of the team or the sake of the, the, the family or the, for the sake of the people I'm leading in the office, it might be the most prudent thing to do. Tell me, um, about the chair, prudence is often called the charioteer of the virtues. Maybe explain to our listeners, like why, why about that image and and why it's called that. Yeah. So you know, prudence is classed with three other virtues as a cardinal virtue. The word cardinal comes from the Latin word cardo, which just means hinge. So these would be like the virtues on which the moral life hinges. So they have a kind of central importance, especially in the pagan tradition. Um, we would say that the theological virtues are of greater importance, but because grace doesn't just replace nature or scrap nature, it actually brings nature to its perfection, we still will affirm you know, that there is a great importance to be assigned to the cardinal virtues. So you have prudence, justice, fortitude, and temperance. And um, those three other virtues, justice, fortitude, and temperance, they inform our appetites, our desires. And we have desires of different sorts, sometimes like sense desires or sense appetites, sometimes more rational desires or rational appetites. And so these virtues get into those appetites and they moderate them or they might spur them on, but effectively they try to establish a kind of mean in them because, you know, like in the case of courage, you might be rash on the one hand or you might be cowardly on the other. When it comes to temperance, temperance, you might be overindulgent on the one hand or you might be insensible on the other. And so these virtues try to kind of place a, a certain reasonability in those appetites. But the thing about the appetites, which is wonderful, is that they provide a kind of moral energy. So were it not for these appetites, we would never get up from the couch. We would just, you know, whatever, just like start a Netflix show and then die watching it. Um, <laughs> but um, 
But because we have these these virtues, because we have the appetites that these virtues inform, we are we're driven to inquire into all the good things in life, whether that be food or drink or sexual intercourse or family life or knowledge about the truth about God or living in society, yada, yada. Okay, so like all of these goods present present themselves to us and attract us and draw us. But we don't necessarily have in those appetites the means whereby to kind of organize our approach, to discipline our approach, um, really to kind of like see our approach. So those appetites are very powerful, but they're kind of blind, left to themselves. And so prudence is like the vision of those appetites. It helps to place them within a human culture, to kind of order them among each other, to marshal their efforts in an organized fashion. And so I like to say, if you were to say that the, the virtues are like different aspects of an army or different divisions of an army. You've got infantry and you've got artillery and you've got cavalry and you've got whatever armor. You've got all these different things. Okay. Um, and if you say like, Hey, go fight a war, they'd be like, in what direction and against which enemy, when, how, who, you know what? Uh, but you have, you know, somebody like the allied commander who's able to have a sense for the whole landscape, the whole campaign. And he's able to marshal all these different divisions so that they attain to the one end of prosecuting a war securing victory, peace in the land, etc. Prudence is basically like that battlefield general, uh, the commander of the allied forces who can deploy all of these incredibly powerful, incredibly energetic appetites in a disciplined fashion, in an orderly fashion, so that they attain to the end. Yeah, you can have all these other amazing virtues, but if you lack prudence, all, all those energies are going to go in the wrong direction. You know, it's kind of like you can have the most amazing car. I, I was driving my kids to school today and they were all excited. They saw a Lamborghini on the highway. It was awesome. And uh, you can have a Lamborghini, but if you don't have a GPS, you don't go leading you in the right direction, that car, you, you can end up going, you know, six hours in the wrong direction. And so prudence is so important. You know, uh, I in my work, I'm so blessed to work with young people, you know, so I work with all these amazing focus missionaries, students in focus, and as well as I, I also just work with many young adult groups around the country and young adult ministry. And I will say this, uh, the difference in the young adult years, you know, in terms of faith life and energy, you know, compared to when I was growing up, I mean, there's just so many people that love Jesus. They want to follow his plan for their lives. They pray, they love Eucharistic adoration. I mean, it's, it's, it's really encouraging, but I, I, I often find that while there is a lot of desire to seek God's plan, seek God's will, discern his will, that sometimes they over-spiritualize every little decision. Uh, you know, should I, you know, should I, should I join a Bible study group? You know, well, let me, let me go pray about it. You know, or, you know, well, we went out for coffee. We went on our first date and we better do a nine day novena to discern if we should go out for coffee again. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's almost like I, I'm exaggerating a little bit, but they do tend to over-spiritualize everything. Like, when they break up with someone, it's like, well, you know, it's not me. It's it's not you. And it, it's it's God. God just doesn't want us together. Well, no, no, no. You just you just used your mind and you decided that this relationship isn't working. And, and yeah, maybe God encouraged you in it, but uh, but it was your decision decision. You know, so what advice would you have for this younger generation to really grow in prudence and not over-spiritualize every decision in their life? Yeah, I, um, I have many thoughts. <laughs> uh, I think of the line we often hear quoted from St. Teresa of Calcutta, God doesn't call you to be successful, he calls you to be faithful. And I think a lot of us envision our spiritual lives as if it were a matter of optimizing or maximizing the consequences of our choices. Like we think of ourselves as like technicians of reality and we want to produce the, the best possible results. And if we don't, then we accuse ourselves of whatever, tepidity or lukewarmness or 
vice or yada, yada, this and such. But I think that one of the keys to understanding the virtue of prudence and then living in your life is the recognition that, you know, again, your life is in your hands and just, you know, do something, do something virtuous. The idea is that you are virtuous and that you become yet more virtuous. So when you approach a decision, it's more so a matter of like, who do I want to be on the other side of this decision and towards my next decision? And like, how does this make me a bold, strong lover of God rather than like, is this the maximal, the optimal? Because I think that that leads to a kind of analysis paralysis. And this is where you get the notion, you know, you, you've heard it said from St. Augustine, love God and do what you will. It's not a call to a kind of anarchy. It's a call to be in a relationship with the Lord Jesus and then to follow where that leads. So if you're, you know, praying, if you're making good use of the sacraments, if you have good Christian friendships, if there's a little bit of penance in your life, if you're studying the faith, then you can rely on the grace of God to heal you and to grow you such that your desires will become, you know, purified and emboldened and you can trust them more and more and more. So you can begin to ask yourself without being overly selfish, like, well, what do I want? Because the Lord is speaking through your desires. Um, especially as those desires are more and more drawn into the life of grace. So when it comes to, you know, do I get a haircut today or tomorrow? It doesn't matter, but it does insofar as you have an opportunity to become yet more, you know, yourself, the same whom God is calling you to be, but not with an excess of agony and anguish. Just, just be about it, right? Because God wants you to be about it. Yeah, there's almost a certain pride as well, isn't there, right? That I have to I have to control everything, master every decision, get it exactly right so that I can feel good about my life, that I, I'm doing what God wants as opposed to, you know, I, I just got to use my mind, make my best judgment on these smaller decisions. I think about something St. Francis de Sales once said. He said, you know, don't waste your time counting the small coins. I, I'm paraphrasing the idea. You know, count your gold. But the small mm-hmm. coins, you don't have to like manage every little detail there. Uh, and I think big decisions like should I be a priest or should I get married? Okay, those are pretty big decisions. And yeah. you know, there's many others like that, you know, but many of the day-to-day decisions in life, God just wants us to grow in prudence and and you know, use our best wits about us, make the best decision at the moment, and and also have the humility and the trust that, you know what, if even if it wasn't the most optimized, as you say, decision, the best possible you know outcome didn't happen out of this, you know, well, that's how I grow in prudence. I learn from those experiences. I learn from my mistakes as well. Uh, and I trust that God is still in charge and he can write straight with my little crooked lines. So whether I join the Bible study or not, whether I get my hair cut on Saturday or on Friday, you know, <laughs> the, you know uh, the, the smaller decisions in life, you know, God's in charge. He can, he can, he can you know, we, we need to surrender and trust him in, in guiding us. Well, uh, I really appreciate just you taking time out. I know it's uh, late, late at night there where you are <laughs> to 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 record this this show here. Uh, I want I want the listeners to know if you want to learn more about prudence, this wonderful virtue that's so needed in our world today. We, we you can just tell we live in an age where people there's lots of activity, lots of people running around, you know, doing so many things, but you get the sense they're just they're just scattered in their life. They're not running toward what's most important in life. Uh, we need to grow. In prudence. We need that, whether it's for dating relationships, we need it for our careers, we need it for marriage, we need it for family life. It takes a lot of prudence to raise kids, especially in our world today. If you want to grow in this in this virtue, check out the book by Father Gregory Pine called Prudence, Choose Confidently, Live Boldly. By uh, It comes out through our Sunday Visitor Press. Uh, we'll put the links in the show notes and all. But uh, Father, Father Pine, tell us if listeners want to get in touch with you, if they have any follow-up questions, how can they reach you? 
Yeah, you can um, contact me through Godsplaining, which is a podcast to which I contribute. And uh, the information, the email address there is on the website. And I'm happy to answer Yeah, any, any questions or any follow-ups. And what's that called again? It's Godsplaining. G-O-D-S-P-L-A-I-N-I-N-G. It's a play on mansplaining, but a generous one. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. We'll put that all in there as well. Well, everyone, thanks so much for listening. May we all go in prudence together uh, and give praise to God with the creativity of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. <laughs>